Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicheri and today's episode is with Dr. Sora Patel who shares a very honest and transparent account of his journey um, to becoming a practice owner and currently owning two dental practices. It hasn't been an easy journey for Saurabh and he has had some difficult times. Trigger warning, we do discuss suicide and suicidal thoughts. In this episode, Saurabh shares a very honest um, account of the time he did contemplate suicide during his final year at dental school. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hi, Saurabh. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for having me on board, Charlie. It's a pleasure to have you. And I know we were speaking about what we wanted to talk about today. And there's so many different things that I want to speak about with you because I know you've done so much and you've been quite outspoken about your journey and you've been quite honest, which is really, really refreshing to see. So I'm really excited to get into that and and find out the ins and outs of your journey. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, I fix teeth and I make people smile. That's that's it. There's no ceremony on anything else. That is how I describe myself to people. That's it. You know, um, did dental materials at Queen Mary, which is where we met. Then I went on to do dentistry at King's, did my um, foundation training in Portsmouth, became an associate for dental beauty, became a partner a year and a half after that. And um, I have two practices with them. So in the partnership model. So um, that's where I'm currently at. Sounds so simple and straightforward, but of course we know that it's not like that at all. And as you already said, we met at Queen Mary when I was studying dentistry and you were doing dental materials at the time. All those years ago, it wasn't that many years ago. Yeah, quite quite some time ago. (laughs) And then we crossed paths again when you were doing dentistry at King's and I was doing my dental core training there. Yeah, that took me by surprise. Like I was walking down the clinic because I had to find like um, I had to find like someone to sign me off on on restorative clinic that day. I turned the corner, I see you know Dr. Banerjee. I'm terrified of the guy. <laughs> That's after having a couple of drinks with him later on. So I realized he's absolutely fine. But I turned the corner, I see you there. I'm like, what's she doing here? I'm like, what are you doing here? And then um, yeah, it was good to see you there though. It was good to see you as well. So what, tell me, what, did you always know you wanted to do dentistry and dental materials was just a a different way of getting into dentistry or did you decide as you went along? Yeah, I mean, for me, no one in my family is a dentist. Um, You know, my parents come from, you know, normal working backgrounds. um, And I've wanted to be a dentist since I was 16 years old. But other people, it's like, you know, my parents were dentists or there's dentists in the family. Like for me, this, this is what I wanted since I was 16, like no compromise. Um, I didn't get in because I didn't get the grades. I think I missed out by a couple of marks in chemistry. Didn't want to take a gap year because I just wanted to get the ball rolling. So dental materials came around and I thought, look, if I can't do dentistry, then at least I can go into like being a dental technician or research or something. Um, Hated dental materials first year. Second and third year was a little bit more bearable when it started to become more relevant. And now if I could restart my life, I wouldn't change a thing because it's given me such a solid foundation. So reps can never bullshit me, which is great. Um, but more importantly, I have a really solid understanding of how all the materials within dentistry work. Um, and when everyone was talking about biomimetics a couple of years ago, like I was like, I've been doing this since 2013. Like this, this, this is, it's crazy, but it, it, it was incredible. Um, yeah, I always wanted to be a dentist since I was 16. The reason for it was when I did work experience, there was a patient 
And uh, this patient was a victim of domestic violence. And it, it was it was a very emotional case. Um, you know, she came into this dentist, she was just a shell, a shell of a being. And, um, you know, she'd been beaten and abused and she'd gone through all sorts and she's finally getting her life back together. Um, she broke down in tears during the exam. Bear in mind, I'm 16 years old at this time. At this point, I'm just there on work experience. I'm just sitting in the corner. Um, she starts crying and just instinctively, I just, you know, gave her a tissue and got her some water. And I, you know, I just spoke to her. I just said like, oh, are you okay? Like, um, and then me and the nurse, we took her outside and we we just spoke to her, calmed her down while the dentist was getting his stuff. She came back in, you know, I saw how the dentist was with her, the communication, how he made her feel comfortable and came up with a plan. It was, it was a really long-winded plan. Uh, I didn't understand any of that back then. But then, you know, I asked him and I asked her, like, would you be okay if I came and saw this case? And dentist had no issue with it. He was absolutely fine. He said, you'd have to ask the patient. So I asked the patient, um, you know, I said, look, I'm, I'm a student. I'm here on work experience. I really want to be a dentist. Um, are, you, are you happy if I come to your appointments? I just want to see how, how this plan comes together. And she was really, really lovely. She was absolutely fine. She was apologetic to me. I was like, no, you've got nothing to apologize for. Like, I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, you're, you're taking the right steps to get your life in order. So he gave me the plan skipped countless days of school uh, to go and visit um and the transformation i saw this dentist have on this person's life was incredible and i thought that's that's what i want to do with my life you know and since then i was like i want to be a dentist that's that's it restoring confidence to someone's life and giving them the ability to smile again and to you know live their life to the fullest that's what it's about that's that's what it is for me anyway See, that's um, the thing. It's so much more than just teeth. And this thing that you said, I get it all the time when patients come in for an exam and, you know, you're like, any problems? And they start telling you about their lives and everything they're going through. And this is something that I noticed with, you know, in healthcare, we're quite, we're in a unique position because people don't see other healthcare professionals as often as they see their dentist. So they feel this sense of comfort confiding in them about certain things going on in their lives. And I've had it so many times where patients break down about, different things that are going on in their lives and we're just there to fix the teeth but actually the fixing the teeth and everything else that goes around it just being there to listen to them makes such a big difference yeah i couldn't agree more i mean we we because of the systems in which we work we forget that there's a human being attached to it all underneath and like that's who we need to connect with you know we need to connect with our patient on the human basis and then everything else falls into place around that yeah. And also, I think from your journey, from what I've heard about your journey, it sounds like to me, the way you went from being an associate, so skip forward a few years when you had finished your dentistry, um, you went from associate to principal very quickly, in my opinion, because I see you yeah. one, one time you're a student next, you're like, oh, I have two practices. And it's like, how did that happen? So talk okay. me through that. I think, I think when this is what I've experienced in people around me, people that I've met, Whenever you go through a struggle at some point in your journey, it really prepares you and it makes you really evaluate what you want in your life and what's important and makes you a bit more intentional. Um, so I don't know, talk me through that. How did you go from associate to principal so quickly? Um, you know what? I was I was reflecting on this a couple of months ago with uh, Samir from Eleven. Um, so we were talking about this and I was just like, 
this this is this is wild and um you know it's what steve Jobs says you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only do that when you're looking backwards and i think you know when i was at university it's fine i'm not at kings anymore so i don't care um i skipped a hell of a lot of lectures because a lot of it was just stupid and irrelevant um and in, instead of going to those lectures i would go shadow dentists i'd message them on instagram or facebook back when you know before we blew up on instagram i i'd message these dentists and be like hey can i come shadow you this is a really interesting case can i can i come see what you do that's why I did, you know, I shadowed and I networked and, you know, I made all these connections and I didn't do it because, you know, I was trying to get jobs at these places or I was genuinely interested in what they do. And I always ask these people, like, you know, if you were in my position with everything, you know, now, what would you do differently? You know, and I tried to learn a lot from the mistakes of other people. So I didn't make the same ones. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing for me was, you know, I, I was a postgrad. So, you know, I, it took me eight years to do a five-year degree, basically. And when I came out of dentistry, I, I just wanted to accelerate as quickly as possible. But I wanted to do it in a way that was right for me. Um, so I had a lot of people saying, slow down, stay in your lane, do this, do that. And I and I just outright refused that belief because I thought, well, no, if I'm learning from the experience of other people, I'm learning from the mistakes that other people have done. And I'm also learning from my own mistakes. If I, you know, combine all of that together, I should be able to, you know, essentially stand on the shoulder of giants. Um, you know, that was a phrase that stuck through my head. You know, in, and dentistry is a very much, it's an apprenticeship model, right? You, you, There's only so much you can learn from reading a book, but people are not textbook. You've got to learn the human skills. Um, and, you know, my clinical knowledge was there. You know, that was the first thing I wanted to get right as soon as I graduated. You know, my foundation training year was amazing. My my ESs were incredible. Um, they were really knowledgeable. A lot of honest advice from them. And, um, you know, I did a post-grad course for a year and I just consolidated all my knowledge. So the first year of graduating, all I wanted to do was consolidate the knowledge, do everything properly, learn the right things and, you know, do dentistry properly. That was it took photos of everything and reflected. And then, you know, when I got my associate job, I had a really good mentor with Kunal, uh, who's the principal at Dental Beauty in Croydon. Um, you know, and he sort of guided me through my journey as well. And then, you know, I met Dev, who's the CEO of Dental Beauty back when I was a student, when I was in third year. Um, and all of these connections sort of came into place and the opportunity was there. And I thought, I'm going to run with it. Why not? You know, it took me about four or five months to really think it through, crunch the numbers, speak to loads of people, get loads of advice. And I thought... I'm two years out from postgrad. Why not? You know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, let me go into this thing, learning everything I can. And I think that's the mindset I had. Just go into it with an open mind, learn everything that you can, and then see how you can make that work for you. That that was it. Um, yeah, I, I think I just became unstoppable after that. Did you ever have imposter syndrome? Because I think when you get stuck in this bubble of high achieving and being surrounded by high achievers, you kind of lose perspective about where you're at and what your skills are, what your strengths really are. I've gone through imposter syndrome countless times in my journey. And it's, it's interesting because it hits you in the face. Um, and then you kind of get over it and get over yourself. But I'm interested to know, did you ever go through anything to do with imposter syndrome? Uh, literally like three days ago, you can ask my fiance. I was just like, I don't know what it was. It was a shit day at work. Um, you know, we, you know, we had loads of cancellations. We had all sorts of stuff going on, and I just kept thinking to myself, 
did did I peak too soon? Did I did I you know have I rushed this thing? Have I gone in too quickly? Um, you know, am I really where I need to be? And am I really who I think I am? You know, other people tell you, oh, Sarab, you've got X, Y, and Z, or you've got this amazing reputation, you've got this, 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 and going on. And I'm just like, I I, I don't feel any of that. Like, um, you know, I do at times still feel like an imposter. Um, but I think that's because I, I put myself in situations where I, I don't belong, you know, where I'm, you know, I'm in a room full of incredibly world-renowned clinicians and lecturers. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, or I'm in a room filled with, you know, practice owners with four or five successful practices or people that own mini corporates or, you know, the CEOs of, you know, these big name companies. You know, I've, I've you know, I've got direct relations with like, like some of these guys in dentistry. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just a kid from South London. Like, I don't know if, I'm, if I should be here. And it, it, it does. It hits you in the face at the, the worst times. And you, you impose a lot of these self-limiting beliefs. And I think that was one of the things I suffered with was, uh, you know, self-limiting beliefs. And, you know, all limitations are self-imposed. And these were ones that I imposed on myself. And I had to really reflect and look deeply into, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I restricting myself? Why am I, you know, saying to myself that I shouldn't be here? You know, I, I mean, one of my mentors, I think it was, it was Hassan, um, Hassan Khan from Elite Dental Leaders, but also, you know, Hassan Bearded Tooth Fairy, he's probably said the same thing to me, be the dumbest person in the room. That's it. Like, if you're not the dumbest person in the room, you're not growing. That, that was the advice that they gave. Um, that's good. And I think advice. that stuck with me as well. Sorry? That's very good advice. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where I want to be. I, I want to continuously be the dumbest person in the room because then it means there's something for me to learn from every single person there. Um, and that's, that's what I really, that's where I thrive. But yeah, imposter syndrome still hits me every now and again, even when I'm doing like stupid stuff. Like if I'm just doing like a simple composite and I'm just like, you know, your morphology shit, sorry. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't even be here. Like, what are you like? I'm just but you like, know what what I think, I think those? we've trained our brains to be so analytical, to constantly grow and improve that you've kind of lost perspective. I always think of it mm -hmm. as someone once said, speak to yourself the way you would speak to your best friend. And the stuff I say to myself in my head, I would never say out loud to my best friend. Yeah. And it just gives you perspective. Like, would you ever sit there and tell your best friends, like, your morphology is shit, you need to, you need to change your life. Like, would you ever say that to somebody else? The narrative I think, I think we have in Hassan, our own head. Yeah. <laughs> 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 if it was me and Hassan, yeah, but... Um... No, I, I, yeah, you're right. Like we're we're our we are our own harshest critics. Yeah. Um, and you know that's something I'm I'm working on. I'm a work in progress. That's that's what I would put it as. Um, but there was this, you know, the the way you get past it, and this is what I've only realized in the last few weeks because I was going through this rut of imposter syndrome and thinking, you know, is this where I want to be? Like, am I good enough? And all this other stuff. Um, there was. When I was reflecting back on it all, and I do a lot of reflecting, you know, I try and reflect at least, you know, try and do a, a daily reflection where I can, but I always set time aside on a Sunday night where I just reflect on the week and plan what I'm going to do the week ahead. Because if you don't take time to stop and reflect, you're, you're not growing, you're not learning, you're just going through the motions. So I realized, you know, you, you say who you are, not because of all the things you're saying and doing, but because you have a stack of undeniable proof. 
you know, when I look back at the things I've done over the last three years, I'm like, you know, what? I, I did those things and I did those with all the right intentions. I had the right level of focus. Maybe this is where I need to be. And then, you know, it helps you to realign yourself. And I think that's key. Um, my biggest fear is, you know, ego in dentistry. Mm. I don't want to be one of these egotistical dickheads. Um, you see quite a lot of those in dentistry. That's one thing I just want to avoid. Um, because I don't think there should be any place for ego or arrogance in our profession. Like we should just do what we can to help everyone. That's it. Um, so that's why I'm completely transparent and honest. So, yeah. And talk me through your mental health journey. I remember some time ago, uh, you wrote an article that came out about your struggles with mental health. And I remember reading it and thinking, this is so refreshing and honest. Because this, again, was, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I remember it was a time where we weren't speaking about mental health as openly. And I remember thinking, this is so refreshing because I've gone through struggles. I know those around me have, but they've not necessarily been open about it because a fear of judgment. And, you know, it's not something that we do often to talk about our weaknesses and our struggles. I think we're doing more of it now and it's really really nice and refreshing to see but back then we weren't talking about it so talk me through that what what happened what were you going through that time yeah no I think um it all came about because of COVID um you know we had time to reflect and sit back and process everything because the world had stopped um you know and it was because of Joe uh Joe Lovett he helped me sort of find my voice because I opened up to him and he was like mate why don't you write this down I was like, yeah, maybe I should. Um, and then I did. And it was very, it was very cathartic. Um, it was nice to put it out there. Wasn't expecting the response that I did get. Um, and I was shocked at how many people it was affecting. And I thought, this, we, we need to speak about it. Um, so in a nutshell, for those who don't know, you know, it was, you know, like I said, I wanted to be a dentist since I was 16. You know, I didn't get in, so I did dental materials and I did dentistry. And then I was at King's and I was doing all this stuff. Um, Yes, I flunked out of a couple of lectures here and there because I was going to shadow dentists out in, you know, practice. But all my clinics I attended, um, you know, and I had this, we had this, uh, what is it, logbook, and we had quotas to meet. You remember those things back in the day? And um, basically, it was in fifth year where I, the analogy I gave in what I wrote was, it feels like you're spinning loads of different plates. And then one of them starts to wobble, and then you start focusing on that one, and then the other ones wobble, and then you've got so much going on, everything crashes down at one go. And then it's just like, what do I do now? So what happened was, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like the best student, but I, I did everything they told me to do. You know, it was, they said, jump, you say how high, that's how Kings was. Um, in my opinion, back then, I'm really hoping it's changed. Um, and it was, it was very black and white. It was very much like you haven't met your quotas, you can't sit your exams, right? Um, despite everything that was going on. And this was pre-COVID, this was before COVID existed. This was back in 20, 2017, 2018. You know, and <clears throat> they they basically said, Oh, Sarab, you haven't met two of your period quotas. Like you're if you don't meet them up by this deadline, um, you know, we're gonna have to question if you can sit your finals. And I was like, okay, that's not a big deal. Like, what am I missing? And they're like, oh, you're missing two reviews. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I can chase these patients up. It's not, it's not an issue. Like, I've done the work. You know, I've done the RSD. I've done the six-point pocket chart. I did all the OHR. I did all that. But I didn't review these patients because they didn't want to come back in because they thought their treatment was done. Now, bearing in mind, you needed six full, complete perio cases. I had four. 
um, with reviews. So I had two more that I needed to get. Couldn't do it. Um, they gave me a month, couldn't get it done. And I said to them, look, is there anything else I can do? Nothing, nothing, didn't, didn't hear anything. Um, and then I get an email saying you're suspended from seeing your finals because you haven't met these quotas. And this was the same period in my life where my dad was really ill. So I had that going on. This was the same period in my life where we just sat the SJTs and the results came out a week later where I ranked 857th. And I got my 33rd choice for FT and I had to move out and I had all this stuff going on. And I just thought, this is really shit. Because I, you know, I was really passionate about being a dentist. I really loved what I do. And I realized my entire identity of who I am was I am a dentist or I'm going to be a dentist. And all of that got taken away from me within the space of a couple of weeks. Um, and I just didn't know how to handle it. That that was pretty much it. It was it was just burnout. That's the only one I can describe. I was just burnt out. And when that email came through, I was on clear. I just broke down. Um, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm you know, I'm not too proud to admit it, but you know, I'm I'm happy to be honest. Like, you know, I broke down, I cried on clinic, I walked off. Um my perio tutor at the time, you know, saw that I was visibly upset. She took me into her office and you know, she sat me down with the head of our year. So who's the head of fifth year and my perio tutor, uh, my perio consultant, and we were just—I 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 just completely just broke down. I just—I just, I was completely—they were equally as shocked because they were like, it wasn't like I was bunking clinics or I was like avoiding, you know, I had poor attendance or anything. They were like, you're always here on time, you're always here, you're always doing the work. Like we were shocked, so they fought my corner. Um, but it wasn't down to them. It was down. It was literally a black and white decision. You know, they saw that you you didn't meet it, off you go. Um and it, it was a lot to take in. Coupled with the SJT, which again I think is stupid, um, <laughs> being ranked 857th out of the 1,100 people that year, it made me think, am I that shit of a dentist? Um, you know, to be ranked like 857th, because that's how I felt. That's how they made you feel. Mm. They ranked you and they said, this is where you are out of every single dentist who's graduating this year. You come 857th. I'm just like, I know I'm better than this person and that person and that person. And it was the wrong, I was just angry. Um, and all of this just completely, uh, you know, sideswiped me. I was just completely knocked for six. At the same time, my dad was really ill. Um, so I had all of this going on. And, you know, for anyone who has Asian parents, trying to get your parents to take medication is like trying to get blood from a stone. Like they just wouldn't listen. Um, so before I went to university, I'd count the pills that my dad had to take and I knew which ones he'd take. And then when I got home, I would count them again just to make sure he took the right ones and to make sure he wasn't, you know, skipping them or saying or getting too prideful and saying, oh, I'm fine. I was like, no, you're not fine. You know, if he, my, my, my father had, um, had a TIA and then he had a mini heart attack. He was then later diagnosed as sort of borderline heart failure if he continued doing what he was doing. And a lot of that blame came down, you know, to, you know, I was like, is this my fault? You know, is, is he working so hard to help provide and push me and my sister through university that, um, that you know, he's working himself to an early grave? So I had that to contend with, plus the fact that my entire identity of who I was or who I wanted to be from 16 onwards has now been taken away from me. I was just, 
I was just completely numb. And I was just... I'm crying now for you. I don't know how you managed to <laughs> I was to do that on clinic. It is it was a really stressful time. And um the only thing that I, I you know, I was completely burnt out, I was completely depressed. Um, and that's when, you know, I'm, I'll be completely honest, you know, I thought about taking just ending it all. You know, I remember that day very, very vividly. Um you know, when the email came through, when the rankings came through and all this came through, you know, I had no support and I felt like I couldn't go back to my parents because this is, this would crush them. So I, I just left, uh, just left uni. I just walked, just kept walking and I was just completely numb. Like, you, you, you know, that feeling when you're just, you're so upset about something, you're just completely numb. You can't feel anything. That's how I felt. And I just kept walking. And I remember I was I just thought, like, what's the what's the point? Like everything I've worked for, everything I've wanted to become has just been taken away. Like I I couldn't see an ending to it. Um, I just couldn't see a way out. I thought, fuck this. Um and that's that's how I was that's how I was made to feel. I just made felt made to feel as if I was just completely worthless. Um and you know, it wasn't it wasn't healthy. I knew that. Um but it was it was a very dark time. I remember I ended up, I don't know where, I just ended, ended up walking, but I remember it was, um, you know, I ended up at Borough train station. And, you know, I just sat, just watched all the trains go by, and I just thought all I have to do is just step on that yellow line and just lean forward. That's that's all I have to do, and then it's, it's, it's done. I don't have to worry about anything. Everything's done. You know, problem solved. You know, that was my line of thinking. Um you know, and I was stood on the yellow line. I thought, I just, I just have to lean forward a couple of inches and that's it. You know, that's, that's all I had to do. And I thought about it. I genuinely thought about it for a, for a good, for a good couple of minutes. Um, but then I realized that if, if I was to go down that route, the aftermath would be someone explaining this to my parents. And then my dad realizing that everything he's done in his life is worth nothing. And my mom would feel the same. And I was like, I can't put that on them. So I didn't go home that evening. I just crashed at a friend's place, told, you know, I just, I just, I was just completely broken. Um, and then the next day I, I decided I, I need help. So that's when I reached out to, to a therapist. That's when I went to get help. And that's when I went through therapy. And that's when it was, it was probably the darkest moment of my life, but it was the most defining moment because then, you know, therapy really helped. And I didn't tell anyone I was in it because there was a stigma around it. It's like, oh, you're in therapy. You can't handle your shit. Like, who are you? Um, so I was having therapy in, in secret. My parents didn't know about this until like a year ago, you know. Um, and I had therapy for a good couple of months. Things started to turn around. Um, I, I transitioned from, you know, identifying myself as just the dentist or being a dentist to figuring out what my values are. And I think that was really powerful. So changing my identity from when someone says, who are you? Like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm not just a dentist. Like, I'm not Sorat Patel. I'm not a dentist. That's, my profession doesn't define who I am. I figured out what my values are, what I truly hold dear to myself. And um, I started realigning my life to those. And that helped. Um, we appealed the situation with with um, my finals. So I did end up sitting them, did end up passing. So that was great. Um, and I thought, screw it. If I ended up 857, at least I'm going to get into an FD scheme and we'll make something of it. But 
none of these things were going through my mind until you know me and my therapist were sort of going through it um and then you, you know you asked a couple of questions ago you said you know you went from student to dentist to principal like really quickly why and i thought the way i see it you know i was going to end my life on that day every single day after then has been a bonus in my view and i want to maximize every single moment i get and every single opportunity so why not jump jump ahead and do these things you know, when I speak to young dentists and that, you know, and they tell me the things they want to do, I was like, well, what's stopping you? And, you know, and they say all these things. I was like, well, no, those are not reasons to stop you. Like, you can do these things. You know, I had a friend of mine, I, you know, I think Joe put her in touch with me and she wanted to be an implant specialist. I was like, that's incredible. That's amazing. Like, she was really passionate about surgery. I was like, when are you doing it? She's like, oh, I'm going to give it like two, three years and then, you know, go ahead and do it then. And I was like, well, what's stopping you from doing it now? Like, you can apply for a mentorship be mentored by an implant surgeon for a year and then, you know, do your, do your qualifications and stuff. She was like, yeah, I don't think I'm ready there. And I was like, when do you think you will be ready? She was like, four or five years. I was like, but why? Like, if this is what you want and this is what you're passionate about, go for it. Um, and I think since that moment, since all the self-reflecting self, you know, I'm, I'm a huge believer in self-reflection and uh, mindfulness and sort of meditation and sort of knowing who you are as a person. Now I've got all these, you know, I've got my belief systems. I've got my, my alignment. I know what my true North is. I know what my values are. I know what my ethos is. I know what my purpose is since having all those things, I've become unstoppable. And I have this unshakable belief that anything I want to do, I'm going to get it done. might take me a little bit longer than I thought, but it, it's going to happen. So, you know, for those, those people who are going through similar things, like the best thing you can do is just reach out for help. And it's absolutely fine if you do it outside of our profession if you go to someone that you don't know it's more comfortable that way that's what i found um you know i couldn't go to my closest friends even now they're like why didn't you come to me and i was like because i didn't know what the fuck i was going through myself mm. you know and i was scared of being judged i was scared of the stigma being attached and i wanted to find you know uh, a degree of separation from dental school from university from my friends from my family and i found a, just a complete strange random person i've never been in my life <laughs> who was a qualified therapist and they helped me through it that that was it um and i think that's what i needed and if if you're currently going through anything similar just just do that you know we live in a world now post-covid where mental health is at the forefront of every discussion that i've been to and it's it's beautiful to see um because it affects everyone in different ways even the people that you think oh, this person's doing really well in their life. I guarantee you they've had some sort of breakdown. Mm. Or, or they, continue just, to have them regularly. Yeah, or they're, they're starting to have them, yeah. Like, we're, we're, we're all human. We all suffer the same things, you know. Honestly, we, that's that's it. so powerful because I don't think I've heard you say that story out loud ever. I've read it, but I haven't heard you say it. And honestly, I've been crying this entire time. I've been on mute trying not to sit. But it's so powerful. And thank you so much for sharing that because I know it can't be easy um to share that such a powerful thing and i think we are expected to just be amazing individuals in every way every aspect of our lives and as you're saying you know we've got our own stuff going on we've got our family we've got our friends we're that need such high expectations of us that have such high expectations of us and we're trying to do this other thing that's equally difficult and every day you meet people 
who come to you with problems. Some of them are dental, most of them are not. And you have to be there for them. And if you're a caring, empathetic individual, like most of us are, this is one of the main reasons we got into the profession. You really feel that and you take it home with you. And then exactly as you say, it just it's just the balance of at some point that will tip over the edge and everything will crash at the same time. So which is this is why it's so important to have coping mechanisms, to have things like therapy, meditation. I'm a big fan of meditation um, and I think it really does help if you do it regularly. It gives you perspective. I think it's not that you have so much going on. Everyone, you know, in this day and age, everyone has lots of stuff going on there's no excuse it's not that I have more stuff going on than others there's people that have a lot more going on than me there's people that have a lot less it's just about your perspective and your coping mechanisms and you really do need those skills that you can get with something like therapy to be able to cope with them and deal with them and and be your best self and best version of yourself for your patients for your family um so it's really important and I'm I'm really happy that now we have less of a stigma to do with therapy and being transparent about mental health struggles. I have some, I had something similar in my first year of uni, which was probably the worst year. And I failed my part once. And exactly like you were saying, I was crying. And I remember I was in King's Cross station. I was trying to come home. I was literally on the floor crying and people were passing by. And I was like, there's nothing I can do. I'm just here crying my eyes out because I feel like the world has ended. Mm. Um, And that's the thing. It's all about perspective. Nothing is the end of the world. It's just about how you see it and how you cope with it. And with such a stressful profession like ours in today's society where everything is stressful the pace of life is ridiculous you need coping mechanisms otherwise you're not going to be able to to cope day to day it's not going to get better your situation isn't going to get more comfortable or less stressful if it's not one thing it's the other I remember when I was at uni I was like I can't wait to start working because there's so many exams I have to do so much and now that I'm working I'm like I miss being a student because I had zero responsibilities I didn't have to pay tax you know so it's all about perspective. It's not going to get less stressful. Life is only going to get more stressful. Mm. It's just about your coping mechanisms and making sure you have the right skills to be able to deal with everything that comes your way. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, those skills that I got taught the hard way are invaluable to me living my life now. You know, you know, I, I got, you know, I had another moment like this like two years later. Um, you know, when I became a principal and I, you know, I was like, shit, I have 10 surgeries I have to manage between two practices and, you know, a team of over, you know, 50, 60 people that I'm employing. It's like all their families are relying on me to keep these businesses going. Um, and it was a big sort of like, shit, there's a lot of responsibility but because of the mechanisms that, and, you know, the coping mechanisms and, you know, the reflection and the meditation and the sort of mindfulness that I've learned, those techniques I have. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to be okay. Uh, It's going to be okay. And I think you need that. Every now and again, you need someone to just check in and just be like, hey, you're going to be fine. Like, you're doing all the right things. I think in that moment where where you're having your darkest moment, that moment, that's the hardest part to sort of see past. Um, Getting perspective in that that moment is the most difficult thing you can do because you're so consumed by what's happening in that present moment, you can't see past it. Um, that's when you need to ask for help. And I think a lot of it comes down to self-awareness. You know, um, you know, and there's so many incredible people trying to push for change now. Uh, Maruk is really pushing for having this to be taught in dental school. And I, I cannot express how much this should be taught in dental school. Fuck Krebs cycle. 
fuck all the nonsense you learned in first year. <laughs> you really hate it's the Krebs cycle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just nonsense shit. Um, it's irrelevant. You know, you've got people graduating who don't even know how to do crowns and endos or, you know, uh, onlays, and they don't know the basics of bonding. And I'm like, what did you get taught? And they're like, oh, we got taught, like, Krebs cycle and, like, ATP product. I was like, how the fuck is that relevant to dentistry? Like, you guys are idiots. But it's not them. It's these ivory tower dentists who set the curriculum because they have no idea what dentistry is anymore um that's my frustration with it i think mental health and mental resilience should be part of the curriculum if you do that my god is that going to change the profession like that's going to be a bigger change on the profession than anything else that has ever happened like and i i genuinely mean that because you'll have these dentists who will graduate with tools on how to manage stressful life situations who know how to manage stressful days at work who won't feel undervalued, who know how to manage burnout, who know how to sort of take a step back and just be more rounded human beings. And that's, like you said, we're empathetic human beings who go into dentistry and medicine. You know, we, it gets overwhelming when our patients come to us and they tell us about all the things they're going through. And you're like, fuck, like, how do I respond to that? Yeah. You know? Um, and how do I help you? Because I want to be. Yeah. How do I help you? I do? Yeah. So I think that's the most powerful thing we should do. That, that's what we should be petitioning for you know forget you know lobbying for like more udas or whatever like you know i'm sure that that would definitely help as well that would that's the second best thing that's the second thing i'd change in dentistry um <laughs> like a fairer nhs system for everyone um god whoever fixes that is going to get a nobel prize for sure <laughs> um but i do think the push for mental health in university should be done and if anyone's listening to this who's in university or is a tutor at university or someone involved in the academic side of dental school get in touch i'd love to know how we can help push this to be a change um i couldn't agree more if if the universities won't do it you know there's so many people outside of it that do you know this podcast being one of them um maruk being the other with her book coming out you know i'm not plugging it either like i don't get any like incentive from plugging her book or anything but like you know i bought two i gave one to one of my associates who was really struggling and then she messaged, she sent me the most beautiful message, like two days after she was like, thank you so much. Like this, this book has really changed my, my way of thinking. I'm not as stressed. I'm not as anxious when I do dental procedures anymore. You know, um, you know, it's given me a new way of thinking. It's really helped since giving her that book. You know, I bought this book from Maru from a launch and I bought two, I bought one for each practice. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave these in the practice. Whoever needs it, take it. Um, and I gave it to my associate who was struggling at the time and now you know thankfully like you know she's she's doing much better and I'm, I'm really proud of that moment and I was just like I'm glad that I am who I am today so that I could help that person um because if I hadn't gone through all of that I'd be like what the hell are you anxious about like it's fine just do the filling like it's not a big deal yeah but then like you get to realize what this person is going through and you're like you know what? I can relate you know I've been I've had those emotions that you've had let's work through them like I may not be able to give you all the answers, but maybe this book will help or signposting to the right person or, Hey, I know someone else who went through what you're going through. Let me put you in touch with them and see how they can help you or what they did. And I think, you know, that's really powerful and that, that exists more now than it ever did. Um, you know, when Hassan started deciduous, that was the whole premise of it. You know, dentists help young dentists, helping young dentists, you know, there was this whole culture of bullying and, from older dentists, it was this, you know, this old school era of dentistry, which I think is dying out now, which is great. Um, 
and there's a lot more positivity in our in our profession now. I definitely agree that there's a lot more resources because even Instagram being the way that it is and the way people can just reach out to each other, I get lots of people sliding in my DMs asking for all sorts of different things. Young dentists, mm. students, um, you know, those who want to apply to dentistry. And I think it's so wonderful because we didn't have that. I mean, you 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 were a few years ahead of me, so you probably had something beginning, but we didn't have any of that in, in my first year mm. of dental yeah, school. Yeah. I was struggling. I didn't know anyone who could help me. Whereas now I feel like we're we're starting to make some moves. There's still a long way to go, but at least there is some some change and some growth. So that's really positive to see. Yeah, no, that's it's, it's powerful. Um, and I think as long as we keep helping other people, that's how you grow. You know, you you grow by lifting others up, not by pushing them down or you know. And one of the things I hate about our profession is like you know when someone makes it or when someone's doing something really successful or someone like achieves a big goal but then they they keep everything secret they're like oh i'm not going to tell you what i did because then you'll do it or you know i don't want you to be as successful as i am or, or just people trying to get one up on you those are the worst people <laughs> like they are the worst um and and i i that's 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 not how we should be you know we should try and aim to help as many people as possible yeah um that's 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 my view on it so knowing everything you know now with everything you've gone through as painful as, as it has been, what would be your advice in a nutshell to young dentists who are just starting out on this journey that say recently qualified or currently yeah. uni, what would be your advice? What would you do differently? That's a great question. Um, to put this into perspective, I was sitting down with my accountant the other day because, you know, we were, we were to pay our taxes. Um, I realized since graduating, I think I've spent upwards of about a hundred grand on courses and professional development and all this other nonsense. And, you know, I've done tons of courses. Like I was a course junkie. Um, do I regret them? One or two, I think were a bit pointless. I'm going to be honest. Um, but you know what it is? You pay thousands of pounds to learn one or two pieces of information and all of that compounds. If I was starting again as a, as a, if I was graduating this year, or if I was going out into FD, or if I was coming out of FD, these are my non-negotiables, right? If you want to be successful in this career, this is non-negotiable. You need a camera and you need loops. If you do those two things, you're better than 90% of people out there already. The camera is going to be pricey. The loops will be pricey, but you don't have to get the, the best one straight away. Just get something that works and get something that's not going to you know hunt your back over in five years. Those are non-negotiable. And the reason for that is the camera is the best way for you to reflect and learn from your work. If you're not seeing your mistakes or seeing what you could have done differently in each case, you're you're never going to develop. So, you know, you're only as good as your last case. So that's that's my honest view of it. Those are non-negotiable. The next thing I would do with everything I've done, I'd only do two courses. I do, I'm not going to plug any courses because everyone knows what courses I've done, but you know, this is me being completely impartial. I think you should do one year-long postgraduate diploma. That is it doesn't matter which one you do there's like four or five out there there's probably more that i haven't even thought of they all cost the same they all teach the same thing they all do it in slightly different ways that's what i'd recommend the reason i recommend a year-long diploma the mistake i made was i'd go on a weekend course and my knowledge would be you know tip top two three weeks later it'll start to dip start to dip start to dip and then i completely forget everything with a year-long course you have like contact days every month so you'll start off really high you'll be so energized at the beginning of the month and then you start to fade you start to fade and then boom you have your next day 
when you have that next day, you can reflect on everything you've done in the last month. You can go back to the people that taught you and say, hey, everything you taught me in module one, this is what I've applied. And these are the challenges that I faced in my practice. How do I overcome it? So you've got continuous mentoring for a year. Loops, camera, non-negotiable, one year long course for you know advanced restorative dentistry. You can tie it in with endodontic seclusion and all that stuff. That's what I would recommend, just one year long course. And then the second course would be a self-development one. So something that helps you with your personal self-development. It can be completely non-clinical. It can be completely outside of dentistry, but something to help with personal growth and mastery. That's it. If you do those two things, you'll be un unstoppable. Um, everything else is just noise. Um, that's it. If you want to do all these like short weekend courses, then do them because you're interested or because you're passionate about it. Don't do it because everyone else is doing it. You know, there's certain courses. Oh, so hard not to name them because I don't <laughs> want to get in trouble with anyone. And the thing is, like all these people that teach these courses, they're amazing people. They're lovely people. I have nothing against them. They're incredible people that I've learned so much from. The mistake I see is young dentists saying, you know, I've seen X person do so-and-so course, so I'm going to do it. Or everyone who's done X has done this course, so I'm going to do it. I was like, great. It's a great course. How does that apply to your life and where you are right now? They're like, oh, um, uh, like, well, there's no point in you doing like a really advanced aesthetic composite course. And then you're working in a practice where you're just slamming out UDAs all the time. Like you're never going to get the chance to implement what you've learned. And if you can't implement what you've learned, you're just going to forget it in a couple of days or in a couple of weeks, then what's the point? Um, so yeah, I, I'd say camera loops, non-negotiable, year-long post-grad course, and then a self-development course, that's it. Once you've done those three things, four things, that's it. That's all you need to be a high-grossing associate, to be a successful associate, to do dentistry you love, to live a life of you know freedom and live it the way you want. That's, that's it. I'm so glad you mentioned the self-development one because I feel like so often we get tied um, to, we get bogged down on doing clinical things and everyone thinks clinical things are the only things you should be doing. But actually there's so much more than that. You should be working on yourself equally about yeah. your communication skills. You know, um, we spoke about one of my colleagues who does a lot of self-development courses and it's the communication and the way you present things is equally as important because if you can't speak to a patient well and effectively, you don't get to do the clinical side of things. So you can be the most gifted clinician technically, but if you don't get to do those things because you don't know how to speak to your patients, then there's no point. Um, and equally, you should be working on your own self-development and the way that you want to grow and progress um, and really get over your own self-limiting factors. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, you know, as we said, we're our own harshest critics. So it's just about overcoming that and being able to reach your full potential. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um you know, the self-development, I think, is key. Like you said, you know, you can have all the technical knowledge and you can be the most gifted clinician. But if you don't know how to communicate that, not just to patients, but if you can't have systems in place where you can take a step back and de-stress and deregulate your life and just sort of manage everything, how are you building really good connections with the people you love around you? You know, how are you building these connections with your family, with your friends, with the, your wife or your husband or the people you love? You know, if if I didn't do all the things I did, I'd be a complete mess. I'd be a, I'd be a sociopath. I'd be an absolute asshole. Um, you know, I'd be this egotistical dentist who's this complete dickhead to everyone. And I would had no meaningful connections in my life. Like, that's not how you want to live. 
you know i think i think being able to you know cultivate and being emotionally intelligent to be self-aware and socially aware of the people around you and building those genuine connections that's what you need because that's what happiness is happiness is doing things with the people you love it's not about how much money you have in the bank it's you know how much you're giving back to people around you how much of an impact and how meaningful the connections you have with someone are you know even if you've got that you know, you don't have to have hundreds of friends. You just need like two or three people that you trust in your circle. But you need to make sure you're the best version of yourself before you leave that clinic. Because if you have a shit day at clinic, if you've got really stressful patients or cases and you take that home with you and that affects everyone else in your life, your life is going to be miserable. Mm. You need to find a way to, you know, have a professional cutoff with work and life and you need that work-life balance. Um, and that that is another key point for success, in my view, having a good work-life balance, um, doing the things you enjoy and, you know, knowing what your values and knowing what your purpose is. If you find those things out, that will really help you out. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing everything. Honestly, I know we started off saying we're aiming for half an hour and I just can't. There's so yeah, much, there's so much in this that I can't fine. cut anything out. So thank you so much. Honestly, it's been so lovely seeing you grow from the dental material student um, doing, was it blast at Queen Mary? Yeah, let's, to, let's to the person you've become now. So it's really refreshing to see. Thank you so much for being so honest and transparent. And um, I'm sure people will reach out to you who need help because it's really important to support each other in this. So thank you so much for being so honest and for sharing what you've been through. And likewise, Charlie, thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, seeing your journey and development has been inspirational as well. So it's, it's, beautiful to be a part of something that helps so many people so thank you so much for having me on i really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things i know i certainly did and as always don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode you can reach out to me on instagram at dr shadi manicherry I always love hearing your responses and if you have any requests for future podcast episodes, please let me know there. I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular. As always, there will be a new episode every week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode and I can't wait to speak to you soon.